0: The following recording is a presentation of the Brean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome you to visit our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Now I'd like for you to open your Bibles once again to the book of Genesis. Our text today is Genesis chapter 2. It's on this Lord's Day, our study of the scriptures coincides with Mother's Day, and perhaps it is appropriate that we open to the first book of the Bible, because this is another Sunday that is a Sunday of first. A few weeks ago, it was Easter, and that was the first Easter Sunday that I experienced sitting at home with no one in the church building, Uh, A few of us were here to film the Easter service, but that was on Good Friday afternoon, and on Sunday the building was as empty as the tomb. Someone said that that is the ruination for C and E Christians, that is those who attend only on Easter and Christmas, because it ruins them. Uh, They lost half of their church attendance for the year in one day. And I think we can say this year is a year of first because we have never seen the church in this position. And now here we are a few weeks later, it's Mother's Day. We don't have any mothers in our building. A Mother's Day without mothers is truly strange since Mother's Day is typically one of the biggest days of the year. And so this will be a Mother's Day for us to remember. But despite this we have prepared a message and we have the opportunity to hear from God's Word on a topic that will teach us something and will enable us to have time to recognize the women of our church for the uniqueness of their ministry. And I've chosen to do this through the second chapter of Genesis from what we might say is the first first. This is the first woman Eve was the first woman and the first mother, and she was given as a special gift to Adam, and she was also the prototype for all women. In Genesis chapter two, our text verses are 21 through 23. Genesis chapter two, verse 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. A few weeks ago I had a conversation with a young lady about the work of women in the church and this young lady was not argumentative she wasn't belligerent but she had a really a, a sincere desire to to understand what the bible says about women and the role that women are to assume in the work of the church and that is a very important question for us today because as we know gender roles are terribly distorted in every phase of our lives and our children grow up with this distorted view and they don't understand how God originally modeled womanhood. And a quick survey of most churches will find that women are as out of place in the church as they are in the rest of society. And then it's a very sad story that men contribute to the confusion by years of mistreatment of women and objectifying them for all the wrong reasons and downgrading them from the magnificent position from which God created them. But I suppose that even sadder than this is that women often degrade themselves by pushing out beyond the place that God intended them to be and to assume roles that were not made for them and thus the ruin of the uniqueness of what they were made for. Only a woman can do proper justice to the place that God gives her and yet often women are guilty of taking the shine off of womanhood. The highest possible glory for the woman must be God's original intention for her. Now, it's impossible to change or go above the head of the Creator to make women different than what the Creator made them for. So humanity, whether we're talking about men or women, we can't be better than what God originally intended. And the Scriptures give us ample evidence of what God intended in the Bible is our guide to give us direction for the relationship between men and women. And this God-given relationship will steer our lives back into the path of God's blessings. And so this is the order that's good for us. This is the order that's good for our families. It's good for our marriages. It's good for our society. It's good for our young ladies to understand this as they prepare themselves for marriage. Now, I'd like for us to, to look at this subject from the biblical perspective, and that's the only right way that we can observe it. Uh, we don't need uh, an HR department to set boundaries for us. The Bible is our guidebook. It's our, it's our guidebook for our physical and spiritual lives. The Bible is our own psychology department because there is no one who knows the human mind like the one who created it. Well, there are seven areas of womanhood, that I want to discuss with you. Now these might not be what you expect, but they will help you to understand what God did in the creation of the woman and how that Eve is the model for all women that come after. Now first obviously I think the place that we need to start is at the beginning and that would be with the creation of Eve. Now Eve being the first woman was of course unique in her creation. Sometimes people will say that every child is a unique creation of God, but that's not true. Every child does have a unique genetic pattern, but they aren't uniquely created. In the, in the beginning, God created male and female, and that means one male and one female, and then God stopped creating people. And so that tells us that the first of the lot, the first man and the first woman were the prototypes for all that came afterward. And so physically, emotionally, and psychologically, little boys are made after Adam and little girls are made after Eve. Now today, of course, our focus is Eve, and Eve was unique. And she was the pattern made in a most glorious fashion, the most glorious that God could have made her. And I want you to recognize this from this passage of Genesis chapter 2. Reading again, it says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made a woman and brought her unto the man. God created Eve but not in the same way that he created Adam. Now when Adam was made, God gathered up the dust of the ground, and out of this pile of indistinguishable dirt, he fashioned the first man and then breathed the breath of life into him, and then Adam, man, became a living soul. Now I suppose there isn't much we could say about the valuable materials that God used to make Adam, because he was just plain, ordinary dirt. And just like in our spiritual lives today, that we're nothing and that we're worthless, we are useless until we are touched by God's hand, so this dirt that God gathered was nothing until God formed it into something. And so he took the worthless, that which is of no value, and he turned it into purpose and usefulness and into the highest order of his creation. You know, it doesn't make any difference in the material that God used to make Adam, because even if He had chosen diamonds and rubies, there is no characteristic in those materials from which life can arise. God must take the lifeless, He must animate it, He must bring it to life. The scientists and His cleanest, sanitary, pristine lab with the best of chemicals and the best of education can't arrange the materials in the proper sequence to produce life. And if I might comment on that for just a moment, who could believe that the best scientists and the most powerful computers could, ever, could never put one strand of DNA together and yet the very same scientists claim that multiple millions of these strands must be perfectly arranged and they are necessary for life, and that arrangement, they say, happened by chance. But I think it's interesting that before God created Eve, He had already made the highest order of His creation. He'd already put all those strands together, and he had the highest order of any organism. He'd already made man into his crowning achievement of creation. He made him and elevated him to a place to have fellowship with him. And then after the man was created, this is what the Bible says in Genesis 1.31. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And when God says something is very good, you know that his stamp of perfection is on it. And this is what I want you to understand from this, that when God made Eve, it wasn't from the dust of the ground. It wasn't from an unformed lump of dirt, but Eve was made from the very best that God had. Eve was made from God's highest achievement. Eve was made from God's creative perfection, already formed into what God wanted it to be. And this shows that God had the best intentions for Eve. She was another of his crowning works of creation. So she didn't start from the base materials as Adam did, but she started from the top. She started from the very best that God had. And I don't know what you make of that, but it must have had special meaning because God could, he could have created Eve in the same way that he created Adam. But God didn't because Eve needed to be so close to Adam, so much a part of him, that when he looked at her, he would see that he would need to care for her as he would for himself. Adam said, She is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So Eve's creation was different and that set the stage for her exaltation. Now the way that God made her told Adam that he had the greatest gift that God could give him. She wasn't made from dirt. She wasn't transformed from animal life. She was made from man, from a fully formed human being who is made in the image of God. And I might mention this as well, to teach our children that men and women came from animals is the most degrading, most humiliating, most disgusting assertion that can be made. It devalues the whole race that God intended to be the best of His creation. And so if you want to disgrace a person, tell him he's a beast. Tell him that he's connected to animals. Refer to him as the human animal, and that's what you'll get. Just another variety of animals with no respect for life that God created. So we wonder, how is it that we as Bible-believing Christians can be accused of degrading women whenever we talk about the biblical model, because that's what exalts her creation? others are disrespectful of women they drag them through the primordial slime pit of evolution and they say well she came from fish and she came from reptiles she came from monkeys that's where you get people from No, it's the creation that exalts women only the truths of scripture in these truths do we find women from the very beginning with design and with divine purpose and created from the very best material of all things that God created. So Eve was created the perfect woman for the perfect man. Now next I'd like for us to examine the companionship of Eve. In verse number 18 of chapter two, it says, and the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make an help meet for him. It is not good that man should be alone. I think we see here a display of God's wisdom and his perfect understanding of the mind that he created. He didn't intend for man to be alone. Eve wasn't an afterthought. She wasn't something that God added on because he saw Adam's misery. No, God said it is not good for Adam to be alone and that was before Adam had time to think about being alone. Adam needed Eve. And so God created Adam with this desire for companionship. And despite the fact that he he had created a cosmos that was filled with angels, and there was a garden that's filled with animals, there was none that was like Adam. There was none that had the same constitution as Adam and the same desire for human companionship. It is not good for man to be alone. Now these past few weeks, I think we've learned this. Most of you are not truly alone because in this social band you have your families at home and maybe and perhaps you're sitting with them today. But we all know that something is off here. We know something's off because we're made to be social. God's church was designed to be social for this very reason because our makeup, our creation, the composition of our minds is that we need others. We need fellowship, and that's the reason that we agonize when we can't be with our church family. And that's that's a part of our new creation. We're new creatures in Jesus Christ, and he has made us for fellowship with our spiritual family. It is not good for us to be alone. Well, Eve was most valuable to Adam because she satisfied his need for companionship. And that is one of the deepest psychological needs that we have. God designed Eve perfectly for this, like a perfect puzzle piece that fits in at all the right angles and connects with all the right receptors. Eve was taken out of Adam to fit right back into him as his soulmate. So she was everything that Adam needed to fulfill his life. In other words, Eve was what Adam needed to complete his physical existence. This is the way that God made Adam. He made him with this vacant place in his emotions, in his psyche, and in his understanding of what it means to be a man. And so from the physical side of what makes us what we are, Eve was that part of Adam's existence. And this is... Another terrible degradation that's brought on by feminism. Feminism seeks to separate us. It wants to drive a wedge between men and women that makes us adversaries. A feminist thinks that if a woman lives according to the biblical model, that she's automatically a victim. And to be that victim, she must overthrow everything internally from the creation. And I can tell you what that does, that makes angry, discontented females. And so these women separate themselves from being needed. They are not needed, and they are so independent, they don't need anything themselves. And so their value is diminished by their attitudes and their best They are best being alone because they're forced into thinking it is best to be alone. And I certainly think the scriptures are true on this. It's better to live in a small corner of the house than to live in a wide house with a brawling woman. A feminist is a brawling woman. She fights what God made her to be. And I think I'll stop there with that because there's nothing that turns into fake news faster than giving ammunition to a raging feminist. But this is not to deny at all that women are often terribly mistreated by a male population that acts like they came from a backwoods West Virginia people's militia. Women are mistreated. But the mistreatment is not because God's order isn't right, it's because our sinful nature influences our bad behavior. Oh, in God's economy, women were created for blessed companionship, and so Adam never looked at Eve as dirt. He was made from dirt, not her. She was his beloved companion who was to do what God made her for. She was his helper, and so she helped Adam in the administration of the garden. And I don't want you to misunderstand this. She didn't direct Adam because she wasn't given that role. She didn't have the dominion because God had already given Adam the dominion before he created her. But nonetheless, she was critical to the good operation of everything that Adam did. And that's important because it brings me to this next critical truth. Thirdly, is the equality of Eve. Eve's equality is not hidden in Scripture. Often men will try to hide that equality. Even preachers will try to hide it. And the preacher who thinks that women are not equal is a fool. He doesn't understand or rightly divide Scripture. Now we only need to look again at the third verse of the creation of the woman to see this. This is in verse number 23 of chapter 2. And Adam said, this is now, Bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman. Because she was taken out of man. Bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. So in other words, Adam said, she is me. She is as I am. Now Adam never thought that God gave him a servant. He gave him a partner. He gave him an equal that was just like him mentally and spiritually. For she too was made in the image of God. You see this if you just look back in chapter 1, verse number 27. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So both Adam and Eve were made in God's image, so that neither was inferior to the other. Now obviously there are differences, men and women as we know are not exactly alike in all details, and to be a complementary race, that's what we need, we need to be different. That's, that's been well said, the old, that old joke, Adam didn't need Steve, he needed Eve. They were different. But that doesn't mean that they were unequal. We, we were built for the purpose God intended, and saying that one is higher than the other is to compare apples with oranges. Now you think about that, which is more important, apples or oranges? Well, that sort of depends on whether you're making applesauce or orange juice, doesn't it? The man can't do what God made the woman to do. Now, some things he can't do at all, other things he doesn't do well. But neither does the woman fit where she wasn't intended. She can't do all the man can do, and many of the things that she tries to do, she doesn't do well. And that has nothing to do with whether they are equal or unequal or more valuable than the other, except in the very thing that they are intended to excel. But how are women disparaged? Move them into areas that God didn't intend and their value is diminished. If you take a man and you move him to a mother's role make him Mr. Mom, isn't he usually a bumbler? I mean, what child in normal circumstances doesn't want a real mother? Why? Because her value, the woman's value, excels in the home. Now, we could deny that all that we want. It doesn't belittle women to say that they were intended to give birth and for motherhood. I mean, isn't that plainly in front of our eyes? Are men and women equal? Well, I would say that women are unequaled. Specially qualified, uniquely qualified, unparalleled in their God-given element. Well, this leads me to our fourth observation, and that is the compliance of Eve. Eve was Adam's equal. But at the same time, even before the fall, the scriptures are clear that Adam was her head. Adam oversaw his wife. And even without the New Testament that says the woman is the weaker vessel, that fact was already apparent when we correctly understand the creation account. Now we're going to discuss the curse in just a moment, but it was not the curse that made Adam the head over Eve. Now there are certain elements of his headship that were accentuated by the curse, but the principle of Adam's headship was established before the fall. And Eve's subordinate position and her weaker nature were on display when the serpent beguiled her. I mean this is what the serpent knew. He was more subtle than a beast, beast of the field. He was a very smart serpent. He knew how to isolate Eve from her husband and to present the temptation when she was alone. And Eve wasn't stupid, but she was flustered by the serpent's lies. Now think of this for a moment, that Eve had never, never heard anything that was untrue she never heard of fake news it was not her position to defend against the temptation that was her husband's job and so when eve entered the temptation god didn't hold her responsible why well because adam was created as the head obedience that was his chief requirement for fellowship with god so we can mark this down that obedience and blame fell on adam Paul wrote about this order in 1 Timothy 2, in verses 12 to 14, he said, But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed then, Eve, and Adam was not deceived. But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Adam was not deceived. As the serpent didn't speak to him or tempt him... Now it appears from what we read here that Paul lays the blame on Eve when he said she was in the transgression. But no, that's not the real point. The point here was that she was deceived and he goes on to make the point that Adam was not deceived. That Adam made his choice to disobey God without the work of the tempter. He knew what God said and he disobeyed with his eyes wide open. Even these little additions to the command that Eve spoke, like, well, God said we're not supposed to touch the tree, that was probably embellished by Adam to keep her away from the tree. God spoke to Adam about the tree before Eve was created. That's in verse number 17. And so Adam was responsible to teach Eve about the tree and protect her from the temptation to eat. But in any case, Adam was her head without the curse, And if he'd not eaten, there wouldn't be a curse. In First Timothy, Paul's intention is to show the prohibition of women from stepping out of the created order to take headship in the church. authority in the church is not the woman's created role. And to take that authority goes beyond the pale of the most fundamental order given in the entire universe. In fact, the created order... It's specifically stated for the church in Ephesians five twenty-two to 25, where it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it Now, as Jesus maintained the equality of men and women by reiterating the one flesh principle, bone of bone, flesh of flesh, that's in Matthew 19, so the New Testament goes on to further maintain separate and equal roles are necessary for the church. The creational principle is maintained by this separation, and so Genesis chapter 2 is also the model for the New Testament church. And to change that is to upset the only two institutions that are given in the Bible, that is marriage and the church. And they are models of each other. Now I'd also like for you to notice First Corinthians 11 verse 3, that here the scripture says, Paul says, But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. And we need to pay attention to that last phrase, the head of Christ is God. In this same passage, it's explained that the head of the man or the head of the woman is the man. Is there any indication of inequality in that? No, because in the same passage, it also says the head of Christ is God. And the scriptures always teach that God the Father and God the Son are equal, that they are one in essence. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. And yet Jesus was voluntarily submissive to the Father. Never were they unequal. Never did Christ surrender any attribute that made him less than Almighty God. His submission was not inequality, but this is the way that the Trinity works. And the Bible uses that fact, and it carries this through the progression, that Christ is the head of the man, and the man is the head of the woman, as as God is the head of Christ. And so to make the woman unequal to the man in that equation is to make Christ unequal with God, because Paul said, as, that's a comparison, as God is the head of Christ. And so if Scripture is misinterpreted at this point, the woman loses the dignity and the worth and the royalty that God designed her for, and at the same time, Christ himself is degraded. Well, now we move on to the fifth important teaching about Eve as the model for women. Number five is the curse on Eve. Eve was not responsible for the curse, but the curse surely had its vile effects on her. In Genesis 3, 9... After Adam ate of the tree, God called the couple to answer for what they did. First, he spoke to the serpent, then to Eve, and then finally to Adam. And I'll deal with the serpent, incidentally, while we look at Eve specifically. The curse as it relates to Eve. Now, there are two parts of the curse that are placed on her. This is in the 16th verse of Genesis chapter 3. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception... In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Now first, God said that he would multiply her sorrows and conception. Now that doesn't mean that there was any sorrow yet, because there wasn't yet conception. There weren't any children, there were no pregnancies, and there was no pain. And we can only assume that Without the curse, childbirth would have been easy and painless. And in that case, it would ruin thousands of TV shows that joke about the meanness of women in labor and women would lose that common bond of commiserating with each other over the harrowing experiences of childbirth. I think maybe Tate weighed about 46 pounds when he was born. and We don't want Melissa to get started on that. But labor pains, labor pains are the pains of the curse. And that should remind us of the terrible fall of man every time that a baby is born. But of course what God does is to end that pain. He brings joy when the baby is born. God is gracious to minimize the memory of the pain because of the joy of the child. Jesus said in John 16, a woman when she is in travail has sorrow because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for the joy that a man is born into the world. The pains of childbirth are called travail. They are called labor because of their hardship. Now the second part of the curse set off the wave of feminism that is a growing tumor in our society. And thy desire shall be to thy husband, And he shall rule over thee now we could spend another sermon explaining the controversies found in this verse but I do need to emphasize this again that this part is not what made Adam the head over Eve this is the part that put headship that's the part that made headship a burr under her saddle sin made man's headship less desirable and a bone of contention. Adam said, bone of my bone, and this bone has a big bruise on it. Women buck against the created order because sin is against the created order. Sin shouldn't be there, and so what it does, it undermines everything good that God created. And this is what sin did. It upset the harmony of this perfect relationship of the woman being in subjection to the man. And without this burr, Women would never want to be pastors without the Burr. Women would not want to be president. Women would not want to rule governments. Women wouldn't want authority, but they would be happy with the role that God gives them. But sin pushes women into the denial of the created order, and there's nothing to be said here but that a woman in authority is a woman in sin, whether that woman is a pastor or a president. Well, there's a, another intense negative side of the curse, if you want to term it that way. There's the grading that goes on between men and women because of this. this. This problem of the man ruling over the woman. And this is a sin that needs to be harnessed just like all other sin. This is a sin that must be brought under subjection for the praise of God's glory. Now that's the negative side of the curse and I'm reluctant to say that there is a positive side of the curse because without sin in the universe everything would be perfect but I can say there is a positive side after the effects of the curse have been assigned because God brought hope in the midst of the curse. The positive side comes in the next unique position of Eve. So sixthly is the crushing of Eve This is in verse number 15. You're familiar. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now we can never overlook this part, which makes the woman so glorious and so valuable that there is none like her. And we all are doomed without the woman. In fact, this is the gospel. This is the womb that would bring forth the child that would crush the head of the serpent. And this is only possible through the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. So you can mark this down, get this inside of you. Men could not do this. Men could not be involved in this in any way. Satan's head must be crushed by a second Adam. It must be crushed by a unique man born in a unique way from a unique woman. And this second Adam could not fail to obey God perfectly. There are no forbidden trees for the second Adam. The first Adam would not resist disobeying God. But the second Adam could not resist always obeying God. He was virgin born, he had no sin nature. And where Adam chose deliberately to sin without a sin nature, this man would not choose to sin under any circumstances. He had man's fallen, pre-fallen, perfect nature, and he had God's nature. He was the God-man. And so this man is not neutral. He had perfect, positive righteousness. And if man was involved in his birth, then the fallen nature would have secured his sinfulness just like it does ours. He would have been tried in Adam just as we are, and he would have been under Adam's federal headship. But he had none of that, because he is the federal head of a new race. A new race of redeemed men. 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty-two: For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Well, then what's so special about women in this? Well, the special thing is that they don't pass the sinful nature to their children. Don't misunderstand. Women are sinners. I don't need to prove that. I have all my secret files on that. But women are sinners. But the sin nature that's passed to them by their fathers is not passed on by them to their children. It takes a man for that. Now, Adam was responsible, and through Adam comes this terrible nature that infects us all. It's in the blood that he passes to the child. The life is in the blood, the Scripture says, and in this case, death is in the blood. Eve didn't pass a sin nature onto her children. Eve was the prototype for Mary. Mary had a sin nature, but it wasn't communicable to her children. The Holy One that was in her womb had no human father, and thus he had no sinful nature. So this promise came through Eve that one like her, a woman, a woman with the same glorious characteristics, would give birth, and this birth of her son would be the seal of the serpent's doom. Her son would crush the serpent's head. Well, for all that men can do, they can't do this. The woman's value is inescapable. The destiny of the entire human race hangs on the peculiarity of the woman's body, who we can now say was made for this chief purpose. The woman was made to give physical life to the one who would give eternal life to the world. Now let me give you the seventh and last observation of what God says about women. Number seven is the crowning of Eve. Let me read 1 Corinthians 11, verse 7. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. Now, as with other scriptures, there's much to be said, but we're on the tail end of this sermon, and my purpose is not to expound every concept of scripture about women. But I want you to see that what the woman does for the man is to put polish on him. The woman puts the shine on the man. The Scripture says the man is the image and the glory of God. Now that refers to the authority that God gave him, that the man reflects the authority of God, and that is especially true in the church. So the Scriptures just continually shout out that women who take authority mar the image of God. Now, there's nothing worse than a woman can do than to dull the light that reflects the image of God. And she does that if she dares to step into the pulpit. If she defies authority of the created order, she not only dulls and degrades her own position, but she harms men, and even worse than that, she throws dirt on the majesty of God. So what does the Bible say the woman is? What does she do? Well, she is the glory of man. Now, let me jump back to what we talked about earlier. Eve was taken out of Adam's side and she was made the highest order, out of the highest order of handcrafted materials that were known in God's created universe. And her glory is to shine the spotlight on God's accomplishment of the best of His creation. At the same time she does this, she's exalted, because the higher that the man goes, so higher goes that which is made from man. I hope you understand that. And so if she does anything less, if she intrudes on lesser things, she won't be exalted to greater things. So why would a woman choose dirt? Why would she choose unformed dirt when God crowned her by choosing to make her from the best of his creation? Does that put her beneath man? Does that make her less than man? No, she's crowned and crowned in a special way by God making her from fully perform fully formed perfection, not from chaotic chaotic unarranged dirt. Now listen, if it's our goal and if it's your goal to exalt women, if that's your quest, you'll never do better than what God created women for you can't do better than what the omniscient Creator designed. You can't do better than what He does. And this is the reason that the Bible never degrades women. And Christianity never did anything for women but to restore the social structure that would make them the most honored among us. The story of Eve is where this begins. What God intended from the beginning of the creation has not changed. In fact, God is headed to the perfect restoration of this world and its order, and God will set it all upright again. A deep sleep fell on Adam. He awoke, and it was better than anything he could have dreamed. God gave him Eve, and she was the model of the perfect woman. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you thanking you for this day that you've given us. Thank you for the message that we have from God's Word. Lord, we pray that you would bless the mothers of our church, bless the women of our church. Help them to see the role that God intended for them and how women are exalted when they're in the place that you want them to be. Help us, Lord, as men of the church and leaders of the church to uh, know and, and practice this, that women are equal to men. We have different jobs. We have different roles that you made us for. But we are all important to the body, to the function of the church here. And it's never more apparent than it is even right now. As we must have our our ladies to help to make this production and the things that we're doing here. Every phase that we have in church, um, we have women that we depend on just all the time. Lord, help us to honor them. Again, we honor mothers. And we, we thank you, Lord, for the gift of women. We thank you for uh, our mothers that have given us life and taken care of us. And Lord, we pray that we would honor them just as your, as your word says, honor father and mother. And we surely want to do that today. Then Lord, most of all, we pray for this country, what we're going through right now. We've got this virus that's going on and Uh, People are losing their loved ones and sickness and the economy is down and all the troubles that come from that. Help us to understand, Lord, that you are in control, that you created all things and you are the one who can set all things upright again. And as we seek for that, I believe that the way that this will happen for us is if we turn back to you, If we look at what you did in the created order, if we understand the role of males and females, and that we have just males and females, and there is a place that you've given each of us to function in this world and to do your will, uh, we just ask, Lord, that you would open people's eyes to this. But we know it's not going to happen unless the gospel of Jesus Christ shines into darkened hearts. We can't fix people. Only you can do that. You are the Creator, and you're the only one that can give new life in Jesus Christ. We pray for our church, we pray for our people help us Lord uh, today to honor you with everything that we are again, bless our mothers in Jesus name we pray amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Brian Baptist Church of Roner Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code seven zero seven Five eight four seven two seven five, or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, six two nine eight Country Club Drive, Roner Park, California nine four nine two eight. Additionally, you may visit us online at www dot dot org.